What's up, what's up? It's your boy C Bates, joined with my boys Adam Katie, Dr. Kristen Ross. Another episode of the At Last Podcast. Today we will keep it a little close-knit and it'll be just the three of us talking a little bit, a little more intimate, fellas, talking about a current event of returning to play, youth sports return to play. I mean, all sports are dealing with return to play, but yeah, we're just going to have some casual conversation amongst one another yeah. about this and kick some ideas around how we feeling about certain things, maybe give our opinion about a diff- few different perspectives, maybe instigate some some conversation for all of our listeners out there and get us talking, get you thinking, get you disagreeing with us, get you agreeing with us whatever we're, we're probably gonna we might disagree with one another here you know so um welcome welcome to the party we're here what's up y'all what's good man so look return to sports so dr ross Kristen, you you're at a high school you're working in secondary school <laughs> you just got some news recently um you want you want to give us some updates about just what's happening at the secondary school level at least here in in california yeah so basically within the last two weeks uh we we had the california department of uh health and the governor jump out of the cake on us right so we we, we knew <laughs> <laughs> so you know Sports have been canceled since what almost exactly a year to today. Yeah. Right. Since March, about March uh twelfth, March eleventh, twelfth of twenty twenty. And so, you know, they just kept getting pushed back, kept getting pushed back, got canceled all the way into January. You know, our numbers were were very high when we talk about COVID and CIF had put out guidelines to to return into play that um went together with the, the our tiered colors. Um but then after the state finally said, hey, OK, this is what we're going to do. We're going to allow, um, you know, youth sports and I believe uh, adult recreational sports return. So here, go figure it out. Now it's up to, to each of your counties. Right now it's up to L.A. County, Orange County to figure out what they want to do. But as far as the state of California, this is our stance on it. And so uh, basically all outdoor sports are back. And, and they're returning to play. Um, as long as your uh, county is under 14 uh, positive cases per 100,000 residents, which currently I think the only two uh, in Southern California that are not is Riverside and San Bernardino County, but they're very close. So we'll probably be seeing them um, returning in the upcoming weeks as well. So CIF has given, I believe, six weeks, six or seven weeks to complete six weeks of football, which means we, you know, they provided, you still have to complete your 10 day acclimatization phase, right. Mm -hmm. To acclimate the students to being in pads and things like that. But then pretty much they're going to be playing a game the next day. That's a lot to unpack. So we we can see where there's a lot of uh, problems when the kids are coming straight out of the house, straight onto the football field. Yeah. What about acclimatization to having a previous COVID infection? It, it, What's that? Acclimatization? I, I, 
Ain't nobody even talking about this, bro. Right? We yeah. just worried about if man, before you so Kristen, hold your thought. I want you mm-hmm. to talk about that. But like people that I've been talking to, I've been just trying to help people remember that COVID is a disease, right? And so when we hear about, when we learn about, oh, so-and-so got COVID, they tested positive. That usually is like the end of the conversation. And then it's just like, man, this is crazy. And then I'm just like, the next question or the first response probably should even be, how are they doing? Like, are they okay? Yeah, for real. Right? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, last time I checked. This is a disease. Oh yeah, there's you feel me, and it inf- it infects and impacts people in a variety of ways. And Long, long-standing implications for some yeah. People. Not to mention stuff that the media is not talking about, right? But we in the medical field are well aware of some of these other things that studies have been showing is connected to the to to COVID, this particular disease from this virus, right? So, anyway, go ahead. Adam, in terms of what about, so the question was, what about acclimatization to those who were infected with the disease, right? Or with the virus? Well, yeah. And what does what like screening history look like? Do you even know if your athletes had COVID? Yeah. Were there some potential link to myocarditis? And what does that look like in an athlete's heart returning to play? So th- I have a lot of questions of like, oh, are we just ready for sports? And I think maybe we'll unpack today. There's been some leagues, at least in Southern California, of, you know, sports competitions that are in kind of violation of state health orders. And so what does the protection look like for those athletes? And then we already know that there's 80-some high schools in L.A. Unified that don't have any sports medicine staff. So who's directing that for them? Adam, have you heard of P.A.S.C.? No. No, please explain. Most people, most people haven't, and it was it, it. It just got coined on February twenty fourth by Doctor Fauci, which is how they are identifying our long haulers, our COVID long haulers. Oh yeah, which is a post acute sequela, right? And so it's being documented that hey, there's actually people who were otherwise healthy and young, who six months post their positive of COVID has long-term inflammatory issues yep. that is attacking multiple organs in the body. Wait, who said, who, who, who released this? Dr. Falsey. Who is that? Is he a real doctor? I <laughs> <laughs> just went there, doc. <laughs> Someone said he's not. <laughs> Go ahead and dig into it, bro. This is our show. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Let's, why don't we just take a moment and let's address this elephant in the room. You feel me? <laughs> Remind me who said that though? Who said that? I, I don't know. Somebody, somebody random on the street said oh. it. Oh, is he a real doctor? <laughs> yeah. Man, there's a lot of random people on the streets that are questioning: Is he a real doctor or not? Like, listen, I'll just say this then: What kind of doctor this man is? I don't know. I've never seen him. I've never had a clinical visit with him. I don't know anybody who has had clinical visits with him. But for us to go to the extreme to start actually questioning this man's credentials. And you, if you don't even know how doctors are credentialed or certified and you're questioning his, you should probably be quiet and take a seat. Ooh. I guess I'll just leave it at that. If you're a certified physician or you're connected to physicians and if they're questioning him, we might not see eye to eye, but at least you have some ground to stand on. But even then, I'm still just kind of like, well, 
Come on, guys. Now, let me be clear. That doesn't mean that I can vouch for this man's personal life or his approaches or whatever with everything. But just from a very logical standpoint, right, just to kind of get past, you know, all this made up mythical stuff that's floating around. If Dr. Fauci is going to be a trigger for you, just forget we said that. And the science community is coming out and talking about these, this, this. So continue to enlighten us, Dr. Ross, please. Well, has anyone heard of Cornell University? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, that's where he went and got in, and received his MD. Okay. Right. And, and I have a uh, childhood friend whose wife was uh, a resident underneath one of his classmates. So I, I would say he. A good chance he might be certified. He checks all the boxes in. in <laughs> okay. For me, yeah. Are you even okay, real, so, dog? So we Is were this talking podcast about. Even real, dog? Like, I don't even know. <laughs> no, this podcast's not real. You know? All right, enough smoke. Go ahead, keep uh, going. Yeah. Hey, but you know, I always get though. Doc, but are you a, a real doctor? Oof. I get that so tired. Yeah. Are you a real doctor? You mean a medical doctor? Go, am I right. MD? No. Am I DO? No. Yeah, but but I do have a clinical doctorate in health yeah. sciences. All right, so talk about us about this. Reiterate or summarize or or put the cap on this this P P A S C. Yeah. So so basically, it's it's the acronym that's being used for long haulers which are individuals who had COVID, they quote unquote recovered, but then they're still having um, long-term symptoms. Yep. I think I'm one of them. Mm. Really? I've never had a positive COVID test, but I've had unusual symptoms for months. And obviously I'm high risk just given the healthcare setting that I work in, but. Interesting. I've heard a lot about, you know, the long hauler syndrome and I think I'm experiencing it. I'm fine, but. Yeah, uh, but but that's my point of like yeah to get back to youth sports. Who and, yeah. is going to dig into this information for for athletes? Yeah, yeah. When we're talking about youth youth sports or or high school, you know, CIF sports, it's not a thing of I'm not saying like oh well you should not play right. What I'm saying is, and and I think the same thing Adam is saying is how are we making sure that that the individuals that we return to play are safe safety right? So so having the correct uh, procedures in place and not just the general procedures, the way you interpret the procedures from CIF or from the general procedures of Department of Health. Or CD- CDC. Yep. Yeah, CDC. You should be uh, probably implementing a lot of the procedures that you're seeing in the NBA, right? The NFL, mm-hmm. which is making sure that your student athletes, well, first of all, you know if they had a positive COVID test. If they did, they're being cleared of any cardiac issues. Right. And because I don't want to convolute the conversation, yeah, go ahead. but this is an important variable. As you continue to talk, Kristen, mm-hmm. when we talk about what these other people are doing as they interpret what CDC is saying and what different local regions are saying, who's usually overseeing that process or heavily involved in it? Athletic trainers. Yeah. And if they're missing in this setting, I know this is like uh, we sound like broken records. Yeah. Right. But this is just yet another instance where athletic trainers are like linchpins in a lot of ways. I mean, obviously I have bias because this is my profession, but at the same time, man, this is like very logical, right? Yeah. Um, and we've had other, so many other people confirm the same thing who don't have the same bias as I do because they are from different professions, right? They could care less. No, absolutely. We should, right? Essential, essential to yeah. athletic participation. It should have always been that way. Yeah. But even now, more so. More so. Right. So it makes sense how come... 
these practices. So back to what you were saying, right? Like the NFL and the NBA and the MLB, uh, a lot of national teams are able to still do what we're doing um, because a lot of this stuff is being mitigated by and and managed by certified athletic trainers, mm-hmm. overseen by physicians, et cetera, right? I mean, and there's probably physicians that are available to do some of this stuff, but they can't carry this, this stuff out yeah. because it's not their primary setting. And so something I can say is positive for, let's say for football and water polo, they mandated that if your area is still in purple, weekly, the entire team has to get COVID tested. So there's going to be weekly COVID testing happening in Southern California for these individuals playing football and water polo, which is a good thing. That's great. Yeah. But again, that's another logistical nightmare because how are you like, how is this actually going to happen? Right. right? And how much will it cost? Yeah. Yeah. All of those things. Yeah. Can you do it? Well, you can do it, right? Yeah. No, it, it's doable. But these are the yeah. things we should, we need to be, as opposed to just like, let them play and then just roll out, open the fields and just go storm the fields and just start playing willy nilly. Right. And, and kind of like, oh, OK, well, today maybe we'll put on masks and then tomorrow we'll let you wear your masks hanging on around your neck. And we don't know anything about testing and we don't know anything about, you, you know, we're not trying to work on drills and distancing and all that, you know. Yeah. Go ahead, Adam. <laughs> uh, Kristen, what, what do you usually like that for us to give to listeners? Actionable, Actionable items. items. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to bring one right now. Um, that action. What we got? Well, there was a recent uh, Journal of American Medical Association Cardiology article. It was titled Coronavirus Disease 2019 in the Athletic Heart, Emerging Perspectives on Pathology, Risks, and Return to Play. So if you have uh, sports that are coming back and you haven't read this article, it's a short read, but very important. It's not going to give you a... a, uh, roadmap of everything you need to do, but it's going to make you think of some things that you probably should do. And I'll just read a quick conclusion statement from it. You guys have talked about a bunch of this just now. It essentially states, to proceed safely with sports during the COVID-19 pandemic, the critical pieces on which we focus have not changed. An emphasis on public health, suppression of viral spread, increased access to testing, and ultimately vaccination should all be prioritized. These are foundational public health mandates coupled with dedication to your EAP and collaborative science. All are required to protect the athlete heart. EAP, there's so many things. Man, before pandemic even happened, uh, a lot of these leagues didn't have EAPs. Yeah, and they still don't. Emergency action plan, by the way. (laughs) Right. So, yeah. So I, I think that's one thing. Cardiac health is one thing that we just touched upon. Yeah. I mean, we haven't even gotten into, are you asymptomatic and spreading it to family members? And then are those family members at risk of death if they're not vaccinated, which is a a big yes. And so partly why I wanted you guys to chime in today on, you know, some of these leagues that have been holding games because they're probably not doing testing. So are they putting families at risk and are they putting athletes at risk and I think we should talk about it. Athletic trainers, what if you could do more for your career, for your patients, for yourself? The Indiana State Doctorate of Athletic Training Program can help you get there. You will learn the skills to practice at the top of your scope and show your value in healthcare. Interested? Go to www.indstate.edu forward slash DAT for more information or to apply today. 
So look, I want to say this just so I am not, and I think we, so that we are not misunderstood because I think Kristen and Adam both agree with my sentiments. <sighs> let them play. Yes, let them play. But we start, we, we say, let them play safely. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Let them play safely. I am all for finding ways to get kids back to playing, to get anybody back to playing, recreational adults, whatever. Because look, man, we're in this, prof one of the reasons we're in this profession is because we understand the important role of sport and play. At the same time, we also understand how crazy and how I'm about to just go for it, how, how much of a pedestal we put sport and not necessarily play, but for sure sports, right? Yep. It, it can be an idol for many people. It's like, a religion, right? Yep. Good, bad, or indifferent, whatever. You can assign whatever judgment you want to that. Different strokes for different folks. But we all know that if that's the case, you are willing to do whatever it takes to serve your thing, to serve your God, to serve your highest priority. And if that means sacrificing your health, if it means sacrificing the health of others, the public health. So there's that. But again, getting back to how do we get them to play safely, right? Yeah. You know, are we are we researching ways? I don't, I don't know. I can't speak for everybody, right? And I don't want to look. There are probably some people out there. Actually, they're not not probably. I know at least one one youth sport administrator slash coach who has still been trying to find ways to keep their athletes going. This is a person who's been consulting with me here and there. And, and yeah, they're just trying to be mindful of some of this stuff. But I know that there are others where it's like, are you even giving any shot at this? Is there, is there any attempts at this? So hear us as we continue to talk, if you're still listening, if you've made it this far, we're not opposed to let them play. We want people to play. Like potentially if there's no sports returning, we may not have jobs at least in this profession, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. yep. I mean, we'll have to pivot. Right. And that's actually what a lot of people in our field have already started thinking about and having a, thankfully for guys like us, we've already kind of been in this place where we know that our, our eggs are a little diversified. They're not all in one basket. But the point I'm trying to make is if there's anybody who could talk about this stuff <laughs> in the way that we're talking about it, it's us. We're not on the outside looking in. I guess what I'm ultimately trying to say is if there's anybody who wants sports to still happen, it's us. We want sports to happen. But more importantly than that, we care about the public health. And so I guess we can maybe pivot on that to talk about, you know, where it's just like, hey, this is more of a public health issue. It is 100% a public health issue. Yeah, right now. And to piggyback off of what you were saying, Chris, it's what we do all the time. We always want our star quarterback to go back in the game. Facts. But is it safe for him to go back in the game? Facts. Good. Is it is it what's talk about that? Yes. Right. Is it is it what's best for that athlete? Go ahead. We always want our star point guard to go back in the game. Right. But at what cost? But at what cost? Right. And you know, just from personal experience, the coaches that I've dealt with who allow me to do my job and don't try to stop me or don't try to intercept what I'm doing are the teams that I've won state regional championships with. Yeah. Same. The ones who don't are the ones who don't listen. Mm. You know what I mean? So 
you know, one of the, one of the coaches, one of the best coaches that I've worked with uh, in Las Vegas at uh, Desert Pines High School. We won regional state championship. Shout out, shout out. They won multiple championships. After I was gone, Mike Uzan, I will tell you that he put 100% trust in me. When I told him that our best player in the middle of the season needed to take a couple weeks off so that he could be ready for playoffs, he said, whatever. He called me Doogie Hauser. Whatever, whatever you need, Doogie. Right? <laughs> Whatever you need. And hey, we went on to win regional championship, state championship. We lost to the number one team in the nation by two points and had the final shot, had the opportunity to beat them. And it was 100% due to the coach and to the athletes that we had on that team. But it also had a lot to do with me, right? Because I kept those kids healthy. Mm -hmm. I made sure that, you know, if they, if they needed to sit, that they sat out. And it was all about what's best for the athlete because that's what's best for the team as well. And so- Sounds like great culture. Yeah. Yeah, 100% the culture. Yeah. So it's easy for us to take that perspective of it's a public health issue because that's the perspective that as as athletic trainers, as healthcare professionals, it's always about, is it safe? Yeah. Is it safe for the athlete? Is it safe for the public? If it is, great. If it's not, let's make it safe and let's move forward. Yeah. Let's, let's provide some context of how we kind of got on this narrative or how we discuss it amongst each other. Yeah. There was an LA Times article. It was in early January. It was titled, Private Sports Competitions Grow Across Southland in Violation of Health Orders. So I'm looking at a picture of this football field on this online article, and there's like there's hundreds of cars. And I'm only now kind of thinking this through as I talk to you guys, but I barely was like vaccinated at this time, my first dose, I think. So, And I'm a healthcare provider in a, in a big institution that got doses immediately. So I can almost guarantee everybody at this football field is not vaccinated. Thus their risk of spread, their risk of serious illness and their risk of death is probably like 1% risk of death for anybody that is older. I mean, there's tons of cars. I guess they could be, these could be like all athletes cars, but I doubt it. It looks like there's a lot of people on the sidelines of this football field that's being played. So somebody had like a drone and took this picture. But one thing that just struck me in the article was that, um, the person who put this on said, I'm saving lives. I have letters from parents saying their kids were going to commit suicide and thanking us for giving their kid a way out of depression. I agree with that. As a healthcare provider, yeah. Chris, you said it earlier, like, let's get them back to sport. In, in medicine, you weigh risks all the time. All day. Is it risky for you to have a surgery and have a DVT? Or should we give you this medication that could cause bleeding to prevent that DVT, but you might have some reaction to that medication? You're weighing risks, right? Exactly. So right now we're weighing risk of mental health yep. versus probably not risk of serious illness or death in a young athlete, but their family members are at serious risk if they take that home to them. And then what is the mental health like if your mother dies, your father dies? Because you were at this game, you know, reducing your risk of depression. I get that not playing in your sport increases risk of mental health issues. Yep. I mean, that's hard for young kids, but yeah. we need to weigh risks or at least have a discussion on weighing the risks. That's a good way to frame it. And this is what I always thought about this entire time we haven't been playing and kids haven't been in school. And they're saying that, you know, kids are depressed because they're not in school and, right. and they're not playing their sports. Then why are we throwing our resources at mental health? counselors exactly providing these resources to our athletes 
Mm-hmm. Why aren't you having group sessions with your athletes who are dealing with these mental health issues? It's not always about just going back to sport, right? Because these same athletes may deal with the their sport being taken away due to injury. We see it all the time. All day. Right? Yeah. 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 And it's not, a, and it's nowhere near as sexy and talked about, but these are no. the things that we're still dealing with as medical providers all day. And so we have to destigmatize mental health. So we got to provide that. Go ahead, Al. Yeah. I was just going to say minimum, minimum the treatment should be, hey, let's improve mental health for for everybody, but for <laughs> youth athletes Minimally. as we get back to safe return to play. I mean, that's the like kind of stepwise progression I see in my head. Yeah. You know, so I was. it's funny. I was uh, with my daughter and I was like, yeah, I was talking to my mental health therapist. She's like, that's bad. I said, why? She said, because that means something's wrong. I said, no, I'm doing it to keep something from being wrong. Right. And, and and so I had to sit down and dumb it down for her and let her know, like, well, every time you go to the dentist, do you only go when your teeth hurt? No, I go to get my checkup and get my cleaning. OK. Every time you go to the doctor, is it only when you're sick? No, I go for my checkup. Got to do the same thing for our mental health. Mm-hmm. It's important that we take care of our that is a part of our being, our mind. We got to take care of our mind just like we take care of our body. And that's something that's not being done on a great on a grand scale. Um, in our society. My mind is going a bunch of different ways right now, y'all. Um, let me see if I can kind of sort through this a little bit. I want to say a couple things. So the first thing in line with what you guys are already talking about. Uh, so yes, one of the solutions is mental health is an issue and we care about the mental health. Yeah, man. I'm like a kid is talking about committing suicide and all this other stuff because they can't play their sport. Does that mean we need to start sport back up? At whatever cost, I'd say no. No. Right? It's going to be some circular issue. Exactly. Right? So then this is a logical, you know, it's a philosophical, ethical thing, right? And back to what you said, Adam, I think you, that is a really key component of weighing risks, Mm -hmm. right? Risk and reward and all that kind of stuff. And that's going to look different for a lot of people. So we need to be mindful of that too. But what I would say then, though, is in addition to the fact that it's a mental, it's causing mental issues. And so therefore, hey, we can address, what if, what about us addressing these mental issues to the best of our ability, right? Because allegedly the only thing or the best thing that these same folks would probably say is going to solve the problem is playing sport again, right? But again, that gets back to this, this philosophical, fallacious, you know, argumentative, you know, deal where it's like, mm-hmm. uh, there's probably people better than us that can talk about and exactly what is it like all of these different fallacies and different things like that. Right. But it's like, Hey, if this is the cause of this, the only reason, the only way we can get rid of it is to do this. And it's like, well, that might be one thing. Yes. And by the way, we're working on it. One thing. That's one thing. Yes. As we're working on getting that thing. So really it's an issue of patience and time and, you know, all of that stuff, which a lot of people don't think they have much of, especially the senior and the junior in high school. And I'm not trying to be insensitive to these people, right? Because they got, they're trying to work on scholarships and all that. But see, then that gets us to the deeper core of something else that I was going to talk about. Two other things, the deeper core of now we are at an opportunity. We have an opportunity in our society to start peeling back the layers of our expectations, right? Like, People can talk about the fact that they don't have hoop dreams for their kids or, you know, whatever, but the proof starts to be in the pudding, right? And if you're if you're pressed about some of this stuff, then yeah, it makes total sense to me. Like, oh man, we only got two more years and they didn't have a year to play. And and 
I'm not even talking about the kids. I'm talking to adults right now. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because the kids, I'm not tripping about the kids. I for the kid, I'm not gonna have this same kind of conversation with a kid because I can. I got a kid of my own. I work with kids. It's a different kind of conversation that we have to have with them. Where I have to, we have to affirm them. We don't want to shatter their dreams. We want to show them that we believe in them. All of that stuff, right? But I'm talking about the parents who's supposed to know better and the adults and the coaches and the administrators, right? Yeah. So there's that piece, right? We don't have to dig too much into it, but I just think it gives us an opportunity just to reconsider this whole participate in sports specifically with the goal and intentions to try to get scholarships and the pressure and all of that stuff that it puts on on our society, apparently. And then the last thing I was going to say is still to coaches. I think what we're seeing now is the important role that sport and the leaders of sport play in our society, specifically in athletes and youth athletes' lives. Here's what I mean. The other thing that's happening because of COVID and because sport is not happening, which means practice is not happening as often as it is, which means games aren't happening as often as they happen, which means these kids are not away from their parents' supervision as often as they have been. In other words, they're home more, Mm -hmm. they're around more. So the burden is a lot heavier, I think, for not I think, I know, everybody's been talking about it. The burden is a lot heavier for families and parents and everything, including my own home. And so what's happening is, what we have an opportunity to realize is something that even, uh, I think Billy Graham said this too, um, I don't remember, somebody said it, but talking about how like one of the number one titles outside of like mom or dad or something was coach or something else, coach said, coach said, coach said. This is the person who's most often quoted, right? As, a, as an authoritative figure, as a person that's looked up to. So I think the other thing we should be mindful of is in terms of like this push to get kids back to playing is not just so that they can play for their mental health and not just so that they can get back to doing what they enjoy and not so ju- just so that we can get back to entertaining ourselves. Those are all legitimate things, but it's also to get these kids I think it's an unconscious thing, but to get these kids back to their leaders and their mentors for many parents and many adults, they're probably realizing and experiencing like, I really need the help of these other adults and, and leadership figures in my kids' lives. So all of these compounding things that we talked about, in addition to a plethora of other things that we haven't mentioned I think is what we need to be mindful of as to why people are like, let them play, let them play. Right. And we have to have enough foresight and wisdom and vision to say, okay, guys, like, hang on a second. Again, at what cost? At Vantage is the premier provider for non-traditional work, advocacy, and resources while pushing the boundaries of athletic training. Follow them on social media at the Advantage and join their email list for an even deeper dive into all things non-traditional and access to more boundary pushing content. You took an approach that I think is like really optimistic to why parents and coaches and people are like, let them play. Yeah. I- I'm going to take a more pessimistic approach. Love it. <laughs> and I think, and, and the reason I thought of this is in this same article that I was reading, you guys, one of you guys, I think Kristen sent it a long time ago when in January, but there was a coach is quoted, the football coach, saying, the mental health issues are real. He said, our kids are losing hope 
we're not suggesting we should start today or tomorrow, but we should be afforded an opportunity to start in the spring. So a couple of things there. Like he's just decided that spring, spring is, is the time. Okay. Right. Because because that tells me that, well, it's just been enough time we're away, so we just need to be back. The real thing that I think about mental health is like, let's say we had a hundred kids. I think twenty of them, maybe higher. I don't know. I'm this is I'm just off the top right here. I think maybe twenty of them actually have some risk of depression that being away from sports is going to cause their depression. I think the other 80 maybe be perfectly fine with not playing sports. I think probably coaches and parents are trying to push their kids back to sports. And that's creating some of the stress. And I think also, where is your resiliency in your children that should come from your parenting that you could take a year off of sports and life can go on? And that's important in sport too, by the way. <laughs> you know, yeah. Because I see this in, in parents a lot where a kid is injured, he has medial-sided elbow pain because... He's throwing 5 million pitches. He's a 16-year-old. He plays baseball. He never rests. He, he does lacrosse. He is at the strength and conditioning coach on the weekend. And I'm talking to the kid, and I don't even know if he wants to go back to baseball. Like, he's seeming like, you know not that excited, right? But the parents are like, when can he throw again? You know, it's like, well, you haven't even rested a week. He needs six weeks for his elbow pain to go away. And so I, I guess- You don't care about these kids. You don't know that about sports, Adam. <laughs> well, six weeks? <laughs> well, you, you, just ruined, you just ruined my son's career. I, I was told that before. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So <laughs> people have like these vested interests because maybe- and I'm just really talking about the mental health aspect here, but maybe there's some struggles in the family dynamic and there's some parenting issues. 100%. And they think things will be solved if the child goes back to sport, but that mental health issue is not from lack of sports probably. It's always been there. Yep. It's probably Sport has just been the Band-Aid. Yeah, exactly. <gasps> exactly. Right. That's it. What has happened with COVID is... Sport as a Band-Aid or as a coping mechanism, it, we're starting to see that it not in addition to all of the. So like you said, Adam, like I took a more optimistic approach, but there is this reality that we know sport is actually a coping mechanism for many people. Huge coping mechanism. And so now that that part is so now that since sport is removed, now the motives and the intentions of why different people participate in sport is more apparent. Mm hmm. And to your point, I mean, one kid is enough, right? One kid being depressed about this is enough for a person like me. However, let's be careful not to broad stroke every single person's reality to say, since this one kid is depressed, we need to open up the doors and let everybody start playing again, even if we don't have parameters and we don't understand how to get them back safely. Precisely, because the root cause of the mental illness is not going to go away with sports. Right. Maybe we just put a fresher, it'll just be another fresh Band-Aid on it, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not actually mitigating the problem. Yeah. And, you know, the truth be told, for some people, that's enough, right? We know that, too, working in the medical field, right? Some people are just like, yeah, just give me my Band-Aid. I don't care if this thing ever heals, you know? But then we still have a conversation to have because then it's like, look, the analogy starts to fail because my kid plays sports too. 
And in the context of our conversation, you know, I'm going to have to pull my kid back from some of this stuff because my kid's probably dealing with some mental stuff too, but we've got other things that we're trying to work on. And, and I recognize my privilege and all that other stuff with that stuff, right? Like I'm not being insensitive about that stuff, but I just want to make sure we aren't overgeneralizing and making this a bigger deal than it needs to be. Every kid in America is dealing with like this massive depression. And so let's just take the risk and let them all play again with no parameters put in place, right? With no regard for safety. Here's the bottom line. Let me be clear about this. If you gave the same tenacity and passion about trying to find a way to get kids back to playing safely, we actually could be back playing safely potentially. I'm saying But instead of rallying around, just let them play, open up, recall so and so and get this person out of office and all the political, all the political stuff. Mm -hmm. What if what if you were writing letters to your folks and talking on your social media platforms to people about ways and policies and procedures that you could take and thinking about creative ways along with other coaches in your sports to say, man, how could okay, let's understand how the virus spreads and. Based on our knowledge, how can we get creative about competing? Maybe we have to change the way the game is played for a while. Maybe another game kind of emerges temporarily, right? So, like, people aren't being very creative. It's just very, like, give us back how, yeah, I'm rambling again. (laughs) I think another thing that that I've heard people say is, well, look look at Utah. They were able to have all their fall sports. Look at Arizona. They were able to have their fall sports. Hmm. Hear me. Have they seen Utah lately? Yeah. There are more people living in L.A. County than the entire state of Utah. Easily. Mm-hmm. There are more people living in L.A. County than the entire state of Arizona. So you cannot compare yeah. what's happening in California, yep. let alone in the small condensed area of LA County to what someone is doing in another state. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's all, I mean, that's the most basic argumentation and persuasion tactic, right? That, well, what about, well, so-and-so is, it's like, yeah, the comparisons are way different, you know? Yeah. So yeah, if your argument is just because uh, somebody else is doing it and that's not fair. Yeah. We got a different conversation that we should be having with people. Well, so let's talk a little bit about kind of like big recommendations because we can also give some actionable items for listeners to like get good information. So the CDC, you know, has a website um, about COVID-19 and you can literally find a peer-reviewed article for almost every topic around COVID-19. But they recently released um, a returning to school document. And I think if you're sports medicine professional and you're in the midst of this, this is a good place for you to get some solid information that is evidence-based as possible. And so there's a section in the the new CDC um, return to school guideline that talks about sports and other extracurricular activities. And part of that has cited some articles that state, you know, many sports and other types of extracurricular activities can increase the risk of transmission for participants, coaches, and spectators. And so I just want to kind of like reintegrate some conversation around this public health aspect in that 
we need to take a safe approach so that kids are not taking potential disease back to their families. And a big part of that is going to be vaccinations. And so, you know, some things that sports medicine professionals could push for if they are returning to sport is that administrators, uh, athletic trainers, coaches are all vaccinated as soon as possible when these sports are happening. We know that the kids, because of the young age and less risk of serious illness and disease, are probably not going to be vaccinated as soon. But I think a lot of those people I just mentioned could probably get a vaccination pretty soon. Yep, definitely one of the solutions or one of the steps towards towards a solution mm-hmm. for sure. Man, this this topic just it heavy. It is, man, because I like I I realize it's and we all I think all three of us realize this. And I just want to say this so that those who are listening in can be reminded of this. Two two things. One, this is our podcast, right? And we told y'all that we want to be a fishbowl and let y'all in on some of our conversations. So while recognizing that this is our podcast and we're talking, I want to just be clear that we're open for conversation. Like we're not going to sit here and be arguing back and forth about certain things. At least I'm not right. I am aware that there are things that we're saying, right. And they're, they're, we're pretty straightforward about them and whatever. And if there's some offense taken, okay. You know, don't forget I'm a human being in the same way that I'm trying to remember that all of you are human beings who, whoever I'm talking to or whoever may take offense to what I'm saying, you know, like, let's, let's have some discourse about it. Yeah. You know, like Adam said, man, it is a heavy topic. And I think it deserves some of the passion that's coming with it because there's a lot of passion already out there. Right. And we've got to just kind of like shake it up. Like, Hey, wait, hang on a second. You know, let's, let's, just slow the train down. If nothing else, just slow, slow down for a second. You know, everybody seems to be in a rush for some of this stuff. And I'm going to bring us back to contention, maybe. Okay. Because I, I was looking at some things online to try to refresh my memory on this one article that we talked about a while ago and the, um, you know, violations of, of health department with sports. But recently, I think in the last couple of days, they've had, you know, this... California sports uh, CIF recommendations about sports reopening. And, and, and a lot of the things that you see in the media is, you know, high school sports are allowed to resume as COVID-19 cases, the rates decline in California. And that's true. And I think a lot of rates have been declining because of the parameters. PPE, yeah. precautions and, and, and vaccinations. But... What are we going to see in LA Unified in the underserved communities when these sports resume? They're not going to have testing. They're not going to have, um, they, they don't have sports medicine staff. We've already said that. We already understand that. So, going to overburden the coaches and the administrators that are already there. To it's going to overburden everybody. They're probably going to have, if you looked at specific rate of spread of disease in those communities, it's, it's already higher in underserved communities. There's already less vaccination in those communities. So people are saying like, oh, great, go back to high school sports in California. And the safest people are going to be the ones with money in white communities that have the infrastructure and the sports medicine staff and and things in place. And the people who are going to feel the strain of this pandemic are already the ones that are at the most risk. Absolutely. And 
So I have one more actionable item for our uh, athletic trainers and sports medicine staff that are out there. If you are at a Sierra Canyon, modern day, St. John Bosco, and have Servite. the Servite, have the resources as far as, you know, so we talked about policies and procedures and things like that. Share your resources with mm. your local public school, public schools that you, and it's not even think of, oh, they may not, because they may have policies and procedures and things like that, but they may not. So if you know you have something to share, information to share, reach across the aisle, mm-hmm. I'll say, re- or, you know, reach out to, to your fellow athletic trainers. It's a way for you to network. Yeah. Um, in California, we need to do a lot better job of networking in the secondary school setting between um, and amongst athletic trainers. athletic trainers. It has to happen. Yeah, because, look, don't be the only school that's healthy. Then you ain't got nobody to play against. <laughs> you play against all these, some of these other public schools, right? Like, yeah. I mean, there's that too, right? That's one thing I appreciate about some of the martial arts, right? When they spar and they train, like some of the model, I think it might, I don't know if it's for all of them, but maybe it's like Aikido or whatever. Some of the, one of the mantras is like train to see another day. So if I'm sparring with you, Adam or Kristen, and I'm trying this new move and I end up hurting your wrist, I end up impacting my ability to train tomorrow because then tomorrow you can't show up as good as you can, right? Because you're hurt now. Sweat CBD. CBD has become increasingly popular for treatment of pain, anxiety, focus, sleep, and more. We've partnered with Sweat CBD, who delivers 100% natural, full-spectrum CBD oils, gummies, and lotion. Head over to Sweat CBD and use code ATVANTAGE, that's A-T-V-A-N-T-A-G-E, for 10% off at checkout. And Kristen, to follow up, I, I had the same thought, man. I, I started just thinking about myself personally, and I'm like, look, considering considering the level that I practice at, um, it caused me to think about myself as well as others who practice at some of the higher levels where we've had the privilege to still gather our folks. I think there's some response. There's some responsibility on us. I want to kind of ch- I want to challenge and exhort us at this level. So if you're a professional athletic trainer or a high-level college athletic trainer, uh, assistant, whoever. Yeah. Yeah, like, same thing that Kristen said to the secondary school. Stop treating your stuff like it's, like, exclusive stuff. You know? Um, find a way. I mean... Shoot you those could, policies and procedures. Yeah. I mean, it, Shoot them over. <laughs> if it helps, like, take your company's or your organization's logo off of it. Fine. You know, at some point, that stuff's going to all get disseminated anyway. So let's start having those conversations now. And, yeah, and I'm just thinking about, like... How I, I have access to some of the local public schools here and I need to, you know, even talking to the administrators, right, to say, look, I know you guys are probably struggling to even make sense of, you know, the CDC just says social distancing and wearing masks and whatever. CIF is just following what CDC says, mm-hmm. but even C- CIF needs help interpreting some of this stuff, right? Because chances are that CIF folks that are making the decisions don't have athletic trainers or experienced athletic trainers or current and relevant athletic trainers or sports medicine professionals that's close enough to it to be able to say, hey, CIF, actually, I have access to some of the same protocols that the NFL has implemented, that the blah, 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 blah. And maybe we don't have the same amount of resources that they do in terms of that, but we do have some capacity to do X, Y, Z. So you actually could probably start things a little sooner if you did boom, 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 boom. 
right? So that, so I guess, you know, again, for those of us who have had the experience of still, uh, of putting together some of these protocols and changing them and researching some of the responsibilities on us too. And, I, and shout out to like the NFL um, and the NBA, because I know that they have, and uh, MLB, all right, I think even hockey, I know some of the like leadership there has tried to put together symposiums to share some of their protocols, right? To share what they've done. But that's just one person, one component of it, right? We all need to be working at it. Yeah. Um, and it can be a lot more impactful if we're doing it on the, in these more intimate one-on-one settings and off. So again, if you're a professional, high-level, college, national-level team, team, and you have some experience with this stuff, man, make some suggestions to your local sports medicine professionals and or to the, the sport administrators, right? Reach out to them and say, hey, can I help you yeah. put together or take a look at what your protocols are and make, make some suggestions, you know? So, I'm going to be the unpopular opinion guy today. I don't know. Maybe I won't be the pause. Yeah, I say it won't be the first time. <laughs> I just want to say this to people that um, serve in large organizations, whatever field they work in, and, and serve on committees. And, and, and I'm, I'm not talking about one in particular and, and no committee in particular because I see it across. I, I have many credentials, so I, I see it across multiple types of healthcare. But I'm so tired of seeing this is our committee. We're going to highlight a person today that has done great work in the COVID environment. That just seems like such a waste of time to me. And I'm all about highlighting people's great work. Like, but do that in a, within your committee type of work, like highlight that person and say, thank you. And, but like creating this media blitz to say like this one person did great thing. And that's what our committee does. Doesn't like move the needle to me in terms of, Improving healthcare, improving athletes' health, improving the profession. Was I clear in what I'm stating my issue is? Just restate it. So a lot of people that serve on committees, I don't want to give an example because I'm not being specific. But let's say you have a committee on professional advancement. Right. I see or I perceive through social media that a lot of work of those committees is, hey, we got this one person that works in this healthcare setting and they have been on the front lines during COVID. Like, yay, they did a great job. To me, that's not committee work that's moving the needle for care of people, for advancing any sort of profession, for public health efforts. Like, I get it. It's visibility, but can you please have some sort of goal or initiative that's more than just like recognize a person for the great work they do (laughs) yeah i I feel you yeah i don't disagree with your your point i mean i can understand why people would do that and i hear you saying you can understand why people do it too but i also hear you saying you're just like enough (laughs) yeah and use your time better (laughs) yeah and because there's thousands of those people because i'm a little bit perturbed about like Healthcare providers are heroes and mm. like, come on, man. Like we, we, our whole society is a hero. We're all dealing with stuff. Like yeah. I'm a healthcare provider. Right. And right. granted I, I work in sports medicine, so I, I'm not an ICU provider and I'm not in an emergency department. And I'm thankful for those people. But like, I also felt this way about them as when I was a military member, mm. like bro, I signed up for this job. You signed up to be an ED physician. So like, you're not that much of a hero, right? Like, 
Come on, man. Yeah, yeah, I hear you, Doc. Yep. I, 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 and honestly, I think, yeah, I would argue that a lot of folks in, in your position, they would understand your position because people who are not in your position, actually, which you just admitted to, right? You agree with that. I would say that those people probably feel a little uncomfortable sometimes being called a hero, right? I'm sure some people live it up, but yeah. At the same time, there is this human nature in us that ev- who doesn't like strokes? I mean, there's probably a few people who feel a little uncomfortable with strokes, but at, at the fundamental core of most of us, we like strokes, right? So we like we, people like getting strokes, dog. And <laughs> as part of our podcast, right? And the purpose of our podcast is we, we like to talk about race. And yes, mm-hmm. not that we'd like to. No, no, no. It's, it's necessary. It's important. Yeah, it's necessary. So, yeah. you know what? what's crazy and we we've recently experienced it is how because Adam is in a position like you are a healthcare professional and you served in the military. So that allows you to say that, right. That allows you to say like, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm in the military. Like it's what I signed up for. Yes. Yeah, it's, right? it's my job. Yeah. I'm just doing my job, but I've experienced. And I know if I say something like that, like I'd be crucified for sure. Ugh. You mean as, as a, a black, black man. man? Oh, well, I might be crucified anyway from my comments, but <laughs> well, yeah, well, I, no, I feel no, you. I, I understand but that. Even more so. Yeah, even more so, right? So, so I say something. That's a good point, Christy. Yeah, yeah. You know where I'm looking to push the the profession forward, and then I'm crucified for it. Yeah. On on a at a grand level, um, mm-hmm. which I mean I'm fine with that because right. my mother raised me to be be the type of person to you know create change in the world and change that I want to see. So. If, if if that's what it is, then so be it. But yeah, man, it's just crazy, you know, because I would think I would have the same thoughts that you just had. True. But we wouldn't dare. But I wouldn't say it. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's white privilege. <laughs> and we glad and I'm glad about no, it. Yeah, what I love sure. about what I love about you, Adam, is that and that's why we that's I mean, to the listeners. Right. Like that's that was a we know this. There is nothing wrong with having privilege just know how to leverage it right so as i mean that's a good example and you can say what you want about Kristen and i being hesitant to say oh y'all just don't y'all just being cowards and yeah whatever i mean <laughs> see me in the streets uh, um, since you want to call me a coward but and i ain't even i don't even right? get down that way right i'm about as square as they come right i mean i ain't no killer but don't push me right but my point is adam recognizes his privilege and and just like Kristen and I, there's certain privileges that we have and we recognize them too. It's just about how you leverage it. And so what I, I mean, I, well, that's what I appreciate. He's saying things that needs to be said um, and it's going to hit different coming from this white man with beautiful blue eyes, you know, um, they're beautiful, by the way, um, for the, for our listeners, if you can't see them, just trust me. Oh, wow. um, yeah, it hits different. It hits different coming from him. Yeah. So. I'm glad you said it, Adam. I mean, it, but at the same time, I'm sensitive to it, right? And so I don't hear him advocating for people to stop giving affirmations. And I don't hear him saying affirmations are not important or strokes or whatever, right? But what I what I hear him saying ultimately is he said it. He said everybody's the hero or has the opportunity to be the hero, right? The people who are trying to make sense of this and keep it wearing masks and keeping distance and and 
tr- trying to figure this stuff out. Th- these are he- just, they're heroes too. Yep. Right. I mean, I, 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 I'll rephrase it to maybe not seem as inflammatory. Yeah. If you're going to have an initiative, or if you're going to just be a person that you know wants to recognize somebody, I would challenge you to do something more difficult and just write a little social media post like, these are our heroes. Why don't you like get in deeper? Maybe they were heroes with a patient they took care of and tell a story about how they, you know, reduce their implicit bias in their practice or they, you know, volunteered in their underserved community. Just, I guess, I guess some more depth is what I'm looking for. I'm challenging people for depth, man, and like mm. thought about, what you're doing in this world right now. I agree with that. I mean, for the record, there is something to say about the sacrifice that a lot of these frontline workers, as we call them, for sure. there's something to say about the sacrifice that they're making, right? And having to work long hours, increasing their risk to be exposed to the virus. You know, I'm, you know, there was a video I saw like a couple months back, right? Having to wear masks and PPEs all day and it's creating scars. Like there's some, there is something to say about that. Right. Yeah. I, I'm a little bit, I'm fatigued by just there you go. The topic. Um, yeah. Also, because I, I feel a little, some type of way that like you chose the profession. So just like make it work. Yeah. Just like if you chose the military, You're, you, you don't like walk around and say like, oh, I had to go to such area of conflict. And like we already struck. Yeah. Pray, praise me. Yeah. You signed up for that. Yeah. yeah that's true, man. I, I think about parenting. You know, I mean, Chantel and I, we get a lot of strokes and affirmations on our parenting and I'm grateful for it. Right. But we don't do it for that. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't do it for those reasons. So we take it we take it for whatever it's worth. We take it we take it for what it's worth. Um, And and then the other thing is whether you realize it or not, (laughs) you know, we we still are going to be committed to this work, you know, of parenting. So I guess you don't get complacent because of it. Right. And so I guess it's the same thing, right? Like, so whether someone gets a badge of honor for it or not, you know, we would hope that they would still be in it. Yep. Right. Why did we digress to that? Anyways, I got uh, worked up. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. We were talking about return to play. Um, Oh, I was, I was. I want just people to do more. Yeah. Second school, secondary schools, um, athletic trainers who have resources to share. I start, I said basically the same thing for our level. Yeah, we need people to do more for communities that don't look like theirs. Yep. We've partnered with online-therapy.com, a complete counseling toolbox where you get all the support and tools you need to be happier based on cognitive behavioral therapy. Head to opportune.at slash online therapy to get started for free and enjoy 20% off your first month of therapy. We need to get into the tension of this stuff. If you're not, if, if you're not in the tension of, of the current events, then that's the challenge. Get into the tension. You know, if you're, if you're not struggling through some of this stuff, then just start struggling with it. Start wrestling with this stuff, right? Like, don't be aloof. Don't just kind of like bury your head in the sand and just think like, oh, well, I don't really know. Uh, try to figure some of this stuff out, man. I've had some thoughts like, here's something else that we can throw out there for people to consider, especially those of us who are familiar with protocols and things like that. 
when I'm driving by the parks, right, and I see in the dugout and I see baseball or softball going on, I have these thoughts, right? Like, man, what if I just pulled over and figured out who's the leader over here and just offer my, like, I'll, I'll give a card, I'll leave my number and just say, hey, man, let, I'm just hoping, like, let's just start having a conversation. Maybe that's it, man, education. Maybe that, maybe that's just like legitimate education could be some critical actionable items for folks, right? Like stop listening to your favorite news media and politic, you know, your political, whatever. And, you know, if you're a parent, like start to look into this stuff and research it on your own. And for those of us in this, in our profession, like, let's just educate people. And maybe we don't have to be like Adam, right? So if, if for our listeners out here, maybe this is one of the episodes you don't share with everybody you know i mean if they hear it they hear it right but this is maybe one of the this is like some housekeeping but you take this and then it's it stirs you spurs you on to go and you know start having conversations with you know reaching out and making yourself available to help help right like not to necessarily go out and critique and you know look around like you're trying to go and slap hands and arrest people and be the cops let the cops do their jobs right but you just go out like we're healthcare providers so for the sake of these kids that are playing and for the sake of people who wanted to play again, how can we, you know, here's, here's the thing. Maybe it's a poor analogy, but I thought about like in back in the day when we were talking about like youth sex, teen sex, right. Trying to, trying to mitigate all the teenagers from having sex and all of that stuff, waiting until you're married and the purity movement and all that stuff. There was a big debate about like, Hey, why are you going out passing around condoms to these kids? Right. And it's, and it's like, well, Look, they're out here having sex anyway. So the least we can do, the next best thing. So, yeah, we want to teach kids maybe to practice abstinence and all of that type of stuff and, and whatever, if that's your thing. But if if that's not going to work, if they're going to have sex anyway, the other thing is we're trying to watch, you know, teen pregnancy and the spread of STDs. And that's a public health thing, too. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's go pass out condoms. I used to have the same thing. I'm going to be vulnerable here, right? And transparent. I used to think like, I used to know about organizations that would go out and serve prostitutes, right? And I would think like, how do you say you love prostitutes? You know, you love the people that they are and you want to deliver them and, and get them out and rescue them from this life, from human trafficking and these types of things. But yet you're giving them condoms. Mm. But that was me and my ignorance, right? It was in a, It was a very short, sighted narrow-minded perspective because i was just like no you just need to go snatch them out and handcuff them and put them in cars and then and go and get the johns and do you know and it's like or you could just let them pass out condoms and at least help them protect themselves from contracting something as you are working on some of those other things that will help with the long-term solution so I guess the long, the long way to say, as we are trying to figure out maybe some more sustainable and long-term solutions, the other things that we can do is try to figure out how to keep these kids and these sports programs and organizations and teams as safe as possible if they're going to be gathering. So instead of us just critiquing them, shame on them, maybe we could say, hey, here's some suggestions. And then if they don't take our suggestions, then with the next time we drive by and we can say, da, 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 you didn't take my suggestions. You know? I think you're right. I mean, as healthcare providers, we have to discuss prevention. And then if we're past the point of prevention, then we need to manage and 
that may be where a lot of pe- where a lot of uh, athletic trainers are in the next couple of weeks, literally just managing because sports are starting. Yeah, 100% where everybody's going to be because that's where we've been. Those of us who have been still practicing sport, I mean, essentially that's what we've been doing. We've been managing and mitigating and sur- our role is that of a surveyor, right? So you got to be good sur- surveyors. We've been creating culture and educating. So. And I, I would never recommend something that I wouldn't do myself. And I'm not trying to say I'm some extraordinary person, um, but I did just that with you're pretty extraordinary <laughs> with my daughter's uh, soccer team. And so uh, this was back in probably May, April, May, when, when she was still uh, participating, you know, pandemic has started and she was still participating with her, with her uh, team and they're getting ready to start doing like practices. Right. And so she had just transitioned to a new team. And so I reached out to the coach because um, I, I mean, the relationship I had with her coach on the team prior to that, I mean, I, I provided the, the sports medicine care for the team. And so I reached out to him and, and, you know, just told him, hey, you know, I wanted to know if, if you would be open to to some information just on, you know, things to make sure that you're doing to ensure that these practices are, are being done safe. And, and so he was starting conditionings that was not approved through the club. And so he uh, he texted me back and was like, no, thank you. You're a parent. Say like basically like stay in a parent's place. And I'm just like, wow, damn. OK, like, <laughs> you know, so we, we went back and forth a couple of times. I was like, OK, you know, I understand. I was just trying to, you know, maybe there's a couple of things that you haven't thought of. Figured if you had something in place, let me take a look at it. I, I am an expert. In the area, does he know your does he know your background though, or right? No, he did. He does, oh. and and you know, so I let him know. You know, I'm I'm an expert in the area. I can take a look at yeah, it. Yeah, but he didn't. Not for real. Yeah, no, he didn't. And, and and yeah, so he was just like, no, no, like I need my parents to be parents. Like oh, I'll go talk to you for administrator sure. Then, dog. And so, but this was you know, this is a club team. Okay. And so we, you know, I get to the first training, and it's like this is exactly what I was talking about. You know, like. It, it you know it's not socially distanced there's no order yet you're not taking the proper precautions yeah you know it wasn't even social distance dude we was on the streets like just with random people you know who are all out there working out we were in signal hill on the hill and he had the girls running together but it was just like multiple other people just like no mask on it's like come on man like if you're gonna do it at least be safe but so it was uncomfortable to send that text message it was uncomfortable to be in that like back and forth or you know that conversation what but you know, I also know myself and, and I don't, I didn't feel I was overstepping my bounds. No. Um, and I, I didn't like attack the guy or, or anything like that. So what I'm telling you is go into it knowing that when you have these conversations that they're not mostly going to be receptive of it, but you're doing your due diligence as a healthcare professional to, to protect our kids out there. So. And we should be good at this already. Oh yeah. To the point that we were making earlier, because <laughs> we're having, we should already be having hard conversations with coaches and players and you know parents also like you think she can go this weekend no she's got a grade two ankle sprain she's not gonna be ready for tomorrow mom and dad sorry you know (laughs) now is is this the championship game like is this one of like the defining moments of her career i mean that's where you get into crazy stuff because they're they think every game is a defining moment for their kids lives Mm. right but it's like look man if this is the olympic games you know, then you just take it to that level. It's like, okay, if this is the Olympic Games and this is potentially the last game that your kid will possibly play, we, we could potentially have a different conversation, you know? Because <laughs> it it, the chances are high that this will probably be the last game they play 
whether they want this to be the last game they play or not if we let them play. <laughs> right? <laughs> Man. So that's a whole another topic. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. MedBridge provides evidence-based courses, unlimited CEUs, home exercise programs featuring 600 plus exercises and much more. Use promo code THEADVANTAGE, that is T-H-E-A-T-V-A-N-T-A-G-E to get an annual MedBridge subscription for as low as $200. The article I sent you guys with Aspen from Aspen, they said, should youth play sports now? First and foremost, this depends on what state local public health experts are advising, all of that stuff, right? Are you having a downward trend in your state in terms of uh, cases and all of that? You said this, Adam, pandemic fatigue is very real at the worst possible time for youth sports, which is entering indoor sports season, basketball, volleyball, wrestling, hockey. Mm -hmm. Winter has already been proven to be right. We all know that that's a that's a thing, too. Right. Usually like the winter months and indoors, all that. But this is a period when we can't let our guard down with the virus. Caseloads and hospitalizations are higher than they were even at the beginning of the fall sports season. Most people aren't talking about that. Um, Actually, and I don't I mean, is that right? I mean, is that valid? No, we're still we're still higher than we were in August when when they decided not to do anything and in March when we went home. It's just it's just down. It's just yeah. down a little bit, but it's still they're still higher than they're still load. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's what it says. Yeah. We're 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 down from the craziness that we're in where everybody So we're higher. So what this is saying is we're higher than we were when we stopped Stop. everything but and decided not to go back. But we're not as high as we as we were since when we were drowning. Proto- right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So people need to understand that though, right? This is what I equated to. So it started flooding and you were up to your knees in the flood water uh, and they go. closed the levees, right? An analogy. And then, and then you were up to your waist and they were like, okay, no, like we can't like open the levees yet or whatever. And then we got over our head. So then they were like, no, okay. And now we're, now we're at our chest and they're like, okay, because of the fatigue, and the, the stress, okay, yeah, let's let's go ahead and open the levees again. Yep. Yeah. It makes no sense. Yep. If you really, if you really look at it, it doesn't make sense at all. And so California Community Colleges just announced yesterday that they're canceling their spring sports when they thought that they were getting ready to have so they could still have non sanctioned games. They're gonna do football? No, they just canceled their spring sports. So track, like all of those. Oh. Yeah. So football has okay. already been canceled. Yeah. Baseball. So so they and it was a unanimous decision for their board. And they basically said that they're allowing the students to come on campus and begin like training and stuff like that. But, you know, their main focus is getting students back on campus, not getting the sports back running. There's another risk topic that we didn't even cover, but I have witnessed in the last month is that I've seen just 10 surgeries in the last two weeks of ACL tears that I presume occurred because college athletes are back to sport and they're deconditioned what level well are you able to disclose what level these yeah, players D1. are at yeah d1 tons of d1 injuries well because we take care of a lot of like local southern california schools i mean i've talked to the nfl guys and having non-contact injuries this season because they when they were starting up because people are not ready yeah. imagine what high school athletes are like they're not ready. they're not you think they would be conditioning to the level that is going to have some sort of speckle or no. dust of injury prevention? No. 
because everybody and the coaches are excited to get back going too, right? So zero to a hundred, like one or two days of like I'm gonna be doing a plethora of surgery in the next month. Yeah, yeah exactly. I guess yeah, we need to start surveying it. Yeah, once again highlighting yeah. that the 86 LAUSD schools, these kids are gonna be deconditioned when they arrive. They are gonna have not like catastrophic injuries, but maybe like career trajectory changing injuries for sure. Yeah, and they're not going to get the level of care that should be afforded to them. So, so again, I think the three of us agree. We want sport to resume. It's like, you know, we love sports, but yeah. the bigger picture is like just sending high school kids back to sports. There's a lot of downside. I'm just reminded too, man, like, so for even the people that are like, let them play, let's get back to it. Not everybody, right? But there are some out there who are so fanatical about this right and, and i mean fanatical in the purest form like they're fan they're like they're true fans of sport mm-hmm. right like i've even been practicing like oh are you a f-? i'm not really a fan of, so i'm a fan of my like my wife and my kids right like I'm, I'm i'll get fanatical about them my point is even if we they get back to playing then it's like okay when well, they're there then it's like well but they're not finna wear these masks while they're playing because then how do you play with masks on and it's like damn like something's gotta give guys so it's like look we're gonna like let's let's take a risk and get the kids back to playing to help you know mitigate this you know the mental health and let's get things trying to get going but like at least let's let's try to wear masks but then it's like instead of figuring out ways to get kids to wear masks and be positive about that it's like we're, we're complaining about what it's like to wear a mask when it's been shown that that helps reduce th- risk, right? If you're going to, for those sports that require it, Definitely you do. know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's, so it's all of these things, man. I want, let me just finish reading this. It says, what this means is that the likelihood of one or more players arriving at practice or a game asymptomatically infectious is substantially greater than it was several months ago. Yeah. Hands down. Said uh, Dr. Neil, this guy from Emory University. Mm -hmm. That means we are adding one more component of elevated risk, which is greater community transmission, to another risk. Specifically, they're talking about playing indoor sports, playing contact sports indoors. It makes for a very concerning scenario in settings like youth sports, high schools, and many colleges, especially since testing daily or multiple times a week is not feasible. But again, probably the people that are most adamant about let them play are not people that are worrying about insurance, not people that have strength and conditioning and sports medicine professionals at their high school. Right. Or lack them, I should say. Like they're not people who don't have them, right? Exactly. So they're not needing to worry about these things, but we're just going to like basically send all these kids back to the wolves that don't have healthcare professionals at their high school. Yeah, man, like I, I'd be curious to see, man, like how many folks from like some of these inner cities or underserved areas are I want I'd be curious to see what the, some of their perspectives are, you know? We need to find out. But I, I would presume that a lot of people don't recognize these risks. Like how do they know? They're like, oh, we're going back to sports. Sports safe. Right. I was gonna say if anything, they're just kind of yeah, they're leaning on their coaches or their sport administrators who are like, no, it's safe. These people just you know, they just want you to believe this and they you know, and so then they're like, Oh, okay, well, you know, fine, let's go, little Johnny, you know, let's or Daryl, you know, hear <laughs> me stereotype it. Bro, I mean, let's distill this down. Parents are working really, really hard. They're probably, you know, not financially sound in a lot of these communities. So 
What is your top priority in the day to day? It's like, right? What are we gonna eat for dinner? Just making sure I can eat. Not yeah. like. So yeah. Oh, they're they're practicing. Yeah, kind of getting back to what we were talking about earlier, right? Oh, y'all haven't practiced again. Okay, cool. Yeah, go to practice. Right. Not thinking about the safety of it. There's no. There's no. Dis- they're not discussing being deconditioned and risk of uh, myocarditis post COVID infection in the young athlete's heart. Uh, none of that. This conversation gives me so much anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> because you have sports coming because i know because i know i have to deal with it yeah so here we are yeah and a voice for the voiceless again at last